Welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is Andrew Roth. Andrew's a writer. His debut short story collection, Teeth of a Slow Machine, is out now through Wakefield Press. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks, Ben. It's, um, yeah, really great to talk to you. Yeah. How's life in Adelaide? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, um, it's been, uh, you know, a bit um, like we've been watching on the sidelines for the last couple of years in, in a way, and, uh, and now we're sort of catching up to, uh, to, to the rest of the world in terms of... Um, you know, COVID cases and all that sort of stuff. But uh, um, yeah, I think we've been we've been very lucky and very sheltered. And um, right now, tonight, the, the kids are in bed. Uh, I've had some dinner. The you know the kitchen's clean. Um, so if it wasn't for <laughs> geopolitical events uh, of the day, um, uh, it'd I'd say you know life's pretty good. So you've got young kids. You're a lawyer for your day job. Where do you get time for writing? Uh, in in the cracks, yeah, and and probably, frankly, um, so I've, I've got a three year old and a nine month old, and um, and since the nine month old came along, in particular, um, you know, writing's had to take a, a temporary um, kind of backseat, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of think about my my waking life in in sort of three you know three buckets. Um, you know, there's my my day job, um, you know family um which which is revolving around the kids at the moment and um and then and then my kind of writing which is my you know creative outlet you know the thing that nourishes my soul whatever you want to call it um and uh yeah definitely you know um for for very good reasons um you know the writings had to had to kind of um you know slip down the the uh the pecking order a little bit i'm pretty keen to um to get back into it as soon as I can. And, and in the meantime, I'm furiously, um, you know, typing notes into my phone uh, whenever, uh, you know, an idea strikes. And, uh, and I feel like when I, when I get a good solid, uh, you know, block of time again, I've, you know, I'm just going to hit the ground running and, and, and really go hard. So, yeah. What sort of law do you practice? So I'm a, a, a sort of corporate mergers and acquisitions uh, lawyer with a, with a focus on um, IT. The IT sector. So, um, um, sh- short version is a, a very boring lawyer, um, and uh, I think that's that's probably how I fell into writing, um, in, you know, in a serious way. Probably seven or eight years ago. Now, you know, I, I just did want so- something else that that was a bit more creative than uh, than my, you know, what what amounts to a pretty boring office job. So, Teeth of a Slow Machine. It's a really diverse collection of stories. Some of them are really quirky and funny. Some of them are pretty heartfelt and sad. They they reminded me quite a lot of Roald Dahl or Paul Jennings and people like that, even things like choose your own adventure games and and books and things. Is there a collective grid that unites your stories? And did you have any specific influences? Yeah, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about the the Paul Jennings Roald Dahl connection, but um, I, th- I think I can see that you know, and um, might talk a bit more about Roald Dahl later. But uh, you know, I think. Um, you know, I definitely read him growing up, read Paul Jennings growing up. Um, and I, what I really liked about both of those writers, um, you know, apart from the, the, the kind of the, 
the quirkiness was, um, you know, that that balance of humour and, you know, just with a little um, kind of a little bit of darkness in there as well, um, often, you know, quite unexpected. Uh, so, you know, that that probably has has been an influence on on my stories. But, uh, you know, I, I suppose uh, the other the other influence probably more direct influence on my writing has been what I've been reading over the last five or six years as I've really tried to, you know, apply myself as a serious writer. Um, you know, the stuff, you, you know, I've been, I've been picking up because, I, you know, I want to get published in Australian literary journals. What do I read in Australian literary journals? Well, there's, there's a, you know, a bunch of short stories. Some of them, frankly, are, are pretty dry but some of them are, are fantastic and that, that I guess the ones I've always gravitated to have been at the more experimental end of the spectrum people like uh, you know Ryan O'Neill Julie Coe uh, Wayne Marshall the list goes on but um, uh, and and so I think consciously or unconsciously you know I've taken my taken my lead from from those kind of writers yeah, they're definitely interesting stories because they're they're kind of surprising and they 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 are really different. And you go from things that are quite quite deliberately humorous or absurd or surrealist into things that are really quite um, they kind of smash you in the face with emotion and and things like that. So I wanted to ask you about the way these stories were collected and the way. Um, they're put together because obviously they're written over quite a big time period. Some, uh, you know, were written during COVID and, and are quite, you know, they talk about COVID um, and some are probably written before that period. How do you go about choosing the stories for this collection and how did you, I guess, choose to put them in order? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed the process of building this collection and it, it, it's been a, I guess, an iterative process it's not like it's it just sort of emerged fully formed but um you know I guess I've been accumulating stories you know I've been writing writing lots of stories submitting them to journals submitting them to competitions um and and pretty quickly you get a an idea of what's working and what's not working but you know the 17 stories in the collection um are probably the I I think the 17 best stories I've written in the in the last um, you know five or six years uh, in which time I probably wrote um, you know 40 short stories with a with a you know to a sort of third or fourth draft kind of stage um, and and the beginning part of that process I guess you know there was a lot of figuring out a lot of trial and error and you know a lot of uh, stories that just didn't didn't come together and 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 actually I think the the ones that were not successful, the way ultimately I could tell that that they were not they were not right was, um, you know, when I was reading them back to myself, editing them, revising them, I'd get halfway through and my, my eyes would be glazing over. I'd be I'd be bored with my own writing, and and that's a <laughs> that's a bad sign if, if the if the writer can't stand to um, to, to to read their own story because uh, it's boring. Um, it's probably going to be boring for for everybody else, and and so should not be inflicted upon the uh, the, the wider world. So yeah, look, it, it's it, it's it's taken it's taken a few years to to come together. But I think you know taking these stories, I, I I guess I had a pretty good idea of which stories I wanted to include in the collection. But then 
um, taking them and, and forming them into a cohesive collection has, has been, you know, a real, a real joy. Um, and that's not a, um, you know, a process that happens in isolation. You, you work with your editor and your publisher to, to kind of work out story ordering, uh, linkages between stories. Uh, I had a lot of fun, you know, taking each individual story and, and trying to, you know, maybe tweak it a little bit so, so that they all genuine, generally, I think, um, occur in the same, you know, larger universe. Uh, and there are some, some subtle linkages between the stories. It's, it's, it's certainly not a, you know, a novel in stories or, a, um, uh, you know, a, a strongly linked collection of, of stories, but uh, I think for you know perceptive readers, they they will find those linkages, and um, I like the idea that there's there's this sort of sweep of, of of stories happening at different times and places in a in a universe, and and readers can speculate about you know what might what might come in between. One of the things I liked about uh, going through your blog was looking at some of your previous, I guess the the way you've submitted stories, different journals, and the amount of rejections and, and submissions and uh, acceptances that were made over the few years. How has that process been like putting stuff out there and having it come back to you rejected? I think it's, uh, it's, it's very um, character building <laughs> because, you know, I, I think when you start, there's, there's a lot of, um, it, it's like that Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, the, the people who are the most ignorant are the most, also the most confident confident about their own <laughs> abilities. You know, you start out and you think, this is good. I like this. You know, I've written this. I don't understand why everyone else doesn't love this as well. Um, and I think ultimately to progress as a, as a writer in the face of rejection, um, it's, a, it's a really careful balancing act between not being completely demoralised by rejection, um, but also accepting the kind of kernels of truth that come back from the universe um, in, in, you know, packaged with that rejection. Um, and, you, you know, the things that really keep you going as a short story writer submitting to a bunch of journals, you know, you might submit 100 things and you might get five, you know, acceptances or not even five acceptances um, but but what you also get sometimes is a is a message back saying hey you know we can't use this story this time but um, really loved how you did x y and z or um, you know the story's not quite right uh, and and here's you know here's here's what we think you know might need a bit of tweaking um, you know that that's gold because it, it means you're kind of you're in the ballpark and someone uh, someone else has engaged with your story in a in a really um, considered way. So you, you, in a way, even though it's been it's not been published, um, it, it's found it's found its first audience. Uh, so so you kind of su survive on on those little scraps uh, for a little while, um, and you write and you submit and you wait and you write and you submit. Um, and, you know, for, for me, luckily, um, the kind of, you know, <laughs> the, the, the acceptances uh, kind of grew and, um, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I, th I think um, writing a novel to me seems a bit, a bit daunting because, um, 
if you if you write a novel and it's no good and you have to throw it away, that's uh, <laughs> that's a tragedy. Uh, if you write a short story uh, and you have to throw it away, that's that's sad. But you can just write another short story. Do you think that's why we see so many debut collections of short stories, particularly in Australia, because that writing a novel process and having it rejected uh, is so much more uh, is so much more difficult? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, and and. You know, I, I wrote a I wrote a novel manuscript before I started writing short stories, uh, and um, I sort of think about that as my my practice novel. Um, you know, I really went into that not knowing anything about about how to write a story um, that that hangs together. So um, I learned a lot doing that, um, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to have set that aside. So I've I've, I've kind of I've, I've done both, and I I don't think everyone necessarily aspires to write a novel as well as the other thing. Um, you know, I, I don't think that writing short stories is necessarily just practice for writing a, a novel. And I don't think I'll ever stop writing short stories. I'm, I'm working on another novel at the moment, but the short story is a different beast and, um, and I love it. And yeah, it, for me, it, it certainly stands in, in parallel with any aspirations I have to to write a novel, um, and in fact, um, you know, probably sometimes distracts me from the <laughs> from the larger novel pro- project because uh, you know there's a you know some ideas, some concepts are, are suited to a novel, and, and some are suited to a, a short story or a novella, and sometimes you don't know until you start start writing. I'm really fascinated by the novella form at the moment because I feel like there's a lot of scope with it. There's a lot of um, short stories that could really be novellas and a lot of novels that probably should be novellas. Yeah. I find that form at the moment is, that's really interesting and I'm really enjoying reading that form. It it is really interesting and I I don't know, I've never written a novella and I don't know how you write a novella and I'm I'm really fascinated. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, (laughs) take it take six months and try and write a novella um, uh, deliberately uh, because the only way I can see that I would end up writing a novella is to try and write a short story that runs long or try and write a novel that, that you know, doesn't doesn't quite get to the, the 80,000, 100,000 word mark. Um, but that's probably a mistake and, and, and really good writers of novella you know, I probably set out with the intent to write a novella. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I love I love reading novellas. Um, yeah. <laughs> One of the highlights for me of the collection was actually the opening story, Bok Bok. Can you give our listeners a taste? I say taste of what they can <laughs> expect from that story. Yeah. So so that story uh, follows an operative named Dixie, codenamed Dixie. Uh, and he is um, investigating. Uh, he, he works for a um, fried chicken restaurant franchise that will, you know, forever remain nameless. Um, uh, but uh, he investigates intellectual property theft in the form of uh, people stealing recipes from the from the fried chicken chain. Um, and uh, he, uh, you know, is. is, is is, is pretty, um, uh, I think he thinks, um, you know, he, he's doing a very important 
job. Um, he believes in his work, uh, uh, and he's um, he's deadly deadly serious about it. So yeah, that's how I I describe the story. <laughs> it's very funny because it it almost takes place in this alternate universe kind of thing, but it's. I can see probably where some of your corporate law stuff bleeds into this world a little bit, but it is just such a funny, uh, unexpected way to start this collection. Yeah, and and um, you know, I had a, a pretty long discussion with with my editor Joe Case at um, Wakefield Press about which story should start the collection. It was probably not the story I pitched to start the collection. Um, but um, Joe kind of talked me around, and and I'm 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 kind of glad it's the, the first story now because it really um, I think throws readers in, um, and uh, you know that that story is is what I'm about as a writer. I think it's a really good uh, it's really representative of um, of what I what I want to write. I was really happy with the story. Uh, so um, yeah, it's it's um, it's intense, but it's um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really proud of that story. <laughs> it's one of the things, I guess, with creating this uh, book of short stories, I found that it kind of reminded me a lot of, of like a band's set list and trying to work out how these things, you know, do fit together. But I think you've done a really good job with the way it's set up because it, it surprises you all the way through. Like there's no, um, you know, I, I know I'm not going to, into the next story with something in mind, I know that I'm just going to be surprised, and yeah, it's done really well. Yeah, I actually, um, I, I've sort of been going through the stories uh, over the last couple of days uh, and trying to make a mixtape of of songs that that might <laughs> correspond to each story, um, just as a, a, a bit of fun, really. But uh, yeah, I think you know, putting putting these stories in order is is a bit like programming a you know. A, a mixtape or something um uh and look it, it just comes down to personal taste uh ultimately but I, I i really like the i like the opening um with bok bok and i i like the closing with um a story that's now called to where as a heart beats we had a <laughs> had a little bit of a back and forth about the, the title of that one but um that's a, a reference to um another book um so uh yeah, but but I think I think those stories are, are good bookends. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with how it's come together. I also really enjoyed your trailer and your talking about the cover design as well. So that was really nicely done. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I um, you know, it's it's my first first book, uh, and I've I've kind of resolved to uh, enjoy the enjoy the promotional uh, phase of it, uh, not take it too seriously, and. Um, and and over the summer, I sort of put together a, a little um, promo video for the for the book um, with a few scenes from from the stories. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't mind looking <laughs> like a bit of a deal to um, to get people uh, kind of interested. So yeah, well, you were talking about your uh, I guess your novel manuscript you wrote a few years ago, which surprisingly won an unpublished manuscript prize, and you're working on something new. Can you tell us a little bit about it, or you want to keep it secret? Yeah, no, no I can. Um, so the, uh, the the novel manuscript I did back in, I think, you know, twenty sixteen, um, was a detective story uh, set in Adelaide. Uh, and at the time, I was actually living in Tokyo um, when I when I wrote that 
uh, and probably a little bit homesick for, for Adelaide. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, um, you know, the, the, um, the viewpoint character in, in that story, you know, takes, takes a, a tour through the uh, seedy underbelly of Adelaide uh, such as it is, which <laughs> it's a pretty genteel place, but uh, but he, he manages to find some trouble. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like to kind of get back to that novel um, one day, and and you know, at the time it was the best writing that I could do. It's 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 no longer um, you know represents the best that I can do, but I, I I think that the kernel of the story is is still strong, and I'd I'd love to love to get it out into the world one day. Um, but yeah, at the moment when I can kind of find the time. Um, I'm working on a, I guess it's sort of a political spec fic novel um, set in Canberra in the year uh, 2048. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, di- different, different again. So, you know, near, near future, um, I suppose, um, or I, I guess the way I think about it is, you know, my, my three-year-old daughter w- will be sort of, um, you know, in, in her late twenties, early thirties, then um, you know what's what kind of world will she be living in? Um, but uh, yeah, it's a sort of a novel about um, politics and uh, trying to trying to affect political change in in a you know a world a little bit different to ours, um, but but maybe not that different. Can you reveal if Scotty from marketing is still a PM? <laughs> I'm happy to report that he is not still uh, still PM, but um, yeah, maybe he's a disembodied head in a jar somewhere in in Parliament House. So maybe I'll I'll, I'll write him in. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to briefly mention your uh, fantastic agent, Martin Shaw. How's the process been working with him and with Wakefield? Oh, look, um, it's been an absolute joy from from start to finish working with. Martin, um, and you know, I guess I um, uh, a couple of years back, I guess I was, uh, you know, I was on Twitter, uh, on kind of book Twitter, making connections with other writers, um, seeing this Martin Shaw guy uh, tweeting about Oslit, seemed to know his stuff. Um, you know, he, he seemed to be an agent. He seemed to be talking with great enthusiasm about the same kind of writers that I really admired. And, um, and so it was a kind of natural thing to, you know, when I, when I thought I had a story collection ready um, to, to approach him and say, hey, Martin, um, would, would you like to have a read? Uh, and graciously he said, yeah, you know, send it to me. Um, and he, he read it uh, and he said, it's it's not there, <laughs> and, he, and he was right. <laughs> um, but but he he, um, he he said that in such a nice way that it didn't feel like a rejection. It felt like a you know the beginning of a, a longer conversation. Um, and so went away, worked some more, uh, threw out a couple of stories, wrote a couple of new ones, came back, um, and um, you know from from there, um, you know Martin just. Took the collection, ran with it, pitched it, um, and, and found uh, a wonderful home with um, with Wakefield Press, who were also very enthusiastic, um, you know, right from the get go. So I feel incredibly fortunate to have found you know the right people to to champion the book. Um, but uh, you know, I think 
more broadly, Martin is a is an absolute champion of um, Australian writing and Australian writers. Um, you know, it, it, even when, um, as with me, you know, there's there's no <laughs> there's no commercial imperative for uh, for a, you know a book of short stories by an unknown Adelaide writer, uh, but but Martin takes it on because he, you know, he he, he believes in. Um, getting good books out into the world. So, um, yeah, I'll always be, always be grateful uh, to Martin. And there is a really nice shout-out to him at the end of your book as well in the acknowledgements. So that was really nice to read. Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully we'll get a kick out of that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to your gateway books. What were the books that set you on the course of uh, writing and reading? Yeah, so uh, I think we, we, we sort of briefly touched on Raoul Dahl, already um and i think you know he was he was definitely a, a gateway author for me uh in that um you know as a kid read um charlie and the chocolate factory um easier trot all, all, all of his books for kids uh and then at a certain point almost seamlessly i think i you know started to pick up his short story collections for adults um and slightly different subject matter um, but I was I was fascinated by his um, his his blending of humor I guess laced with um, unexpected cruelty at times I mean his characters do some pretty um, dark and cruel things and they're cruel to each other uh, and I guess yeah that, that kind of was an early lesson in, in in character and and how um, you know you, you you can write a complex character you can write write a um, a character that that does bad things and and yet is still um, absolutely compelling and um, uh, you can even barrack for a for a villain um, if if they're established in in the right way and you can understand their motivations. Yeah, his short story collection, I think, is one of the finest short story collections around, the, the complete short stories. They're, they're just so completely diverse, like you start with over to you and, you know, go to Switch Bitch and yeah. Kiss Kiss and all of those stories. They're just um, amazingly diverse. And, um, yeah, I hope that adults keep reading him because I think they've probably stopped in a lot of ways. I was going to yeah. ask you, do you have a favourite short story of his or, or book of his? Um. Yeah, look, I think probably over to you was was my first kind of um, exposure to his adult stories. Um, I think is it is it called Royal Jelly? Is that the yeah. the one? Yeah, and maybe particularly because I've, I've got a, a a baby in the house at the moment. <laughs> but um, that that's a story where um, uh, you know a, a mother's having trouble, um, you know, with the um, child, you know, trying to get them to to eat uh, and uh, you know, goes to some pretty extreme lengths to um, to remedy that. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe that's why that springs to mind. But but yeah, um, I mean, you know, with his stories, um, it, it's almost it's been a while since I've read them, but um, there, there's just you know flashes of images that that stick, you know, with me. Um, you know, uh, just just scenes, um, but. Uh, yeah, I'll have to have to get back to them. Actually, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the other gateway books for you? Yeah, so um, 
I think also the um, Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, Sherlock Holmes um, stories, you know, I think I, I might have picked them up, um, you know, late, late primary school. And, you know, when I, when I read them for the first time, I think I probably only, you know, understood, you know, 70% of <laughs> what I was reading, but, um, but fascinated uh, at the way those stories are little puzzles uh, and, and sort of each self-contained, but, um, but, you know, the, the, the characterization of, um, of Holmes and, and Watson, um, you know, just, just wrap around the, you know, the, the mystery and, you, you know, you learn about those characters over, over several episodes, stories. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a, you know, I was, I was just hooked. Um, just hooked, um, and and so then I think you know directly following on from that, you know I was also reading as a as a kid a lot of pulpy sci-fi, you know some of it, most of it not great, uh, but some of it um, you know uh, just just blew me away. And and Isaac Asimov's um, robot stories. Asimov is not a a rounded, perfect writer. Um, I can see that as a, as a, as an adult rereading his his, his stuff. But um, but I think as others have said on on your show, um, you know, when you're a kid, you only need to take something something away, some aspect away from um, from a story to for it to really um, teach you something. And and Asimov, um, you know, I think his his stories are filled with a beautiful optimism and humanism. Um, and you know he believed that in the future we will we will continue to have problems, um, but we should nevertheless strive to to be better and to to try and overcome them, um, even if we never do. You know the the the, the struggle to um, to improve and evolve is um, is is worth taking up. Um, and the robot stories in particular, um, I guess, as a, as a future lawyer, um, you know, really attracted me because um, they're basically um, they're little legal dramas. Um, when you really, you know, analyse them, they're, they're robots trying to work out um, what they can do within the confines of, of their own programming and the, and the three laws of robotics. Um, and they come up with some pretty creative interpretations uh, that, that allow them you know, more scope than the programmers intended. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just, just hooked um, to, to read those. Um, and then the, the, the last Gateway book I, I just wanted to sort of mention, um, uh, you know, read when I was a, a little bit older again, um, was um, Shogun by James Clavell. Um, you know, uh, again, uh, as an adult, um, you know, I could probably um, see a few more, uh, you know, areas that, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit dated these days. Um, it's a, you know, it's a white guy writing about uh, feudal Japan um, and, you know, some of the inherent problems with that are probably a bit more obvious these days. Um, but, uh, you know, James Clavell, um, I believe was a was a prisoner of war in World War Two, um, you know, in in a in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, um, and it's just um, I think fascinating um, 
that he's able to, to write this, um, this book about, um, about Japan with such empathy and, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a remarkable book and a remarkable um, achievement to, for, for, for that author to, to write it. But, um, you know, it, it absolutely got me hooked on, on Japan, you know, with, between that and a bit of anime and, you know, some computer games. I, I knew I, I wanted to live in Japan uh, for a couple of years and, and I ended up doing that. But, um, but, but Shogun uh, was, a, was a great introduction to, um, uh, I guess, Japanese culture and, uh, and, and philosophy. Um, maybe not uh, authoritative or, or perfect, but, um, but, you know, for a, for a teenage kid, um, you know, completely different to anything I'd, I'd read before. How long did you live in Japan for? I uh, lived there for a couple of years, yeah. Um, so so lived and worked over there, taught a bit of English and uh, worked in a law firm over there. So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, great, great experience. And, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the travel over there is amazing, beautiful country, beautiful landscape, beautiful people, Um the workplace culture is a, a challenge for uh, <laughs> for for a lazy Westerner coming in. Um, uh, so you know, it was probably never somewhere I was going to settle uh, forever. But uh, but but up that up that couple of years. All right, favorite place in Japan? Um, yeah, look, uh, Kamakura. I spent a lot of time there, uh, just a little bit south of Tokyo. You know, it's just a day trip from Tokyo, but but you know, we'd get down there on the weekends, and uh, there's, there's amazing, you know, walks through the mountains. There's there's a beach. Um, it's just a little uh, seaside town, um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those places you you take a train and you go somewhere new every weekend, and 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 it's it's good. Uh, and you, you know, you're not going to come to any harm. And uh, as long as you, you can get the, the last train home, um, you know, it's, it's sweet. So, yeah, great, great place to be a tourist in. Definitely. I have to ask you the Japan question Murakami, yay or nay? Um, I'm, I'm yay, yay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't read a whole, a whole lot of his stuff, but, um, but what I have read, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. And, uh, yeah. Good. I like him too. Just don't tell everybody. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's move on to what you're currently reading or recently enjoyed or looking forward to. Yeah. So um, I'm reading a couple of short story collections um, at the moment uh, because there are a lot of great Australian short story collections, um, you know, out or coming out soon. But, you know, to, to, to on my bedside table right now, um, uh, what Fear Was by Ben Walter. Um, you know, Ben is uh, someone whose writing I've admired for, for many years now. Um, uh, I can't claim to understand everything he writes, but, um, but I am always thinking about his stories uh, long after I, I, I put them down. Um, and actually the story that opens his collection, um, Flathead, Flathead Out One Day, um, is a great example of that. I, I'm, I'm not sure I know what it's about, but, um, you know, I think I read it a few years ago now when it was in, um, might have been in Overland, um, 
I, you know, I read it and months later I was still, you know, I'd catch myself thinking about it. Um, you know, that's the, the power of his, of his writing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm just devouring that. Um, it's a, it's a travesty um, that we've had to wait this long for a Ben Walter short story collection. So I'm, I'm so happy to see it out in the world uh, now. Um, uh, and another, um, another collection I'm reading, uh, If You're Happy by Fiona Robertson. Um, again, um, you know, the short story community in, in Australia is a pretty, um, pretty, pretty small world. So, um, you know, I've, I've sort of had some of my stories appear uh, in collections with with Fiona's, um, so you know I've, I've had the pleasure of sort of reading a couple of her stories over the over the years, but really enjoying her debut collection as well. Um, she's a uh, she's a medical doctor or, or was a medical doctor, a GP, um, and I think like Melanie Cheng's collection Australia Day a couple of years ago. Um, Melanie Cheng's also a GP um, you know I think that the, the common thread there seems to be um, you know just the, this incredible empathy um, that those writers have for for their characters and um, even even some of their characters who behave in pretty shitty ways um, you know they just um, they manage to um, to to sort of you know uh, give them a give them give them their humanity uh, I think um, Stephen Donaldson, the, the fantasy writer, um, you know, said at one stage, I want all of my characters to have dignity, um, you know, whether they're a villain, whether they're, you know, they, they walk on for half a page and then walk off and you never see them again. I want them, I want them to have dignity. And, and I think um, maybe there's something about being a GP that you, um, you see all sides of the human experience and, and um, you can, you know, somehow still empathise with, with people in distress, people who are behaving quite badly. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, really, really enjoying that. Um, and then the only um, other thing on, <laughs> on my, my reading list right at the moment um, is, uh, and I'm just about finished, um, is The Employees by Olga Raven, which um, uh, was a recommendation, I think, by Bram Presser uh, recently on uh, Beyond the Zero. So um, uh, Bram, Bram talked that one up pretty well and uh, I was, I was um, pretty fascinated, so, so got that one. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh, such, a, such a different kind of read. Um, it's, you know, short fragments uh, and you read some and you go, this is, this is so bleak. Uh, you know, these, these people are being oppressed by this kind of future space corporation. Uh, they're having such a bad time. Um, and then you, you read another fragment that, you know, in, in many ways is very similar and you think what a joyous celebration of humanity and, and the way we overcome, <laughs> you know, <laughs> overcome adversity and, and no one can take away our, you know, what makes us human. Um, uh, and and as I'm reading, I'm sort of, you know, uh, oscillating between those two reactions. It's it's just uh, just phenomenal. And what books are you looking forward to at the moment? Yeah, um, I think Jane Rawson, uh, who wrote the amazing Specfic book from the wreck, 
um, has another book coming out soon, which I think is called A History of Dreams. Um, and, yeah, look, I'd, I'd read anything that Jane um, Jane writes, but... Uh, I, I believe I it's set in Adelaide as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So I, I think it's set in Adelaide and it might involve... Um, you know, Nazis in Adelaide in the mm. 1930s and 1940s. So, you know, I'm, I'm hooked. Um, I'll definitely, definitely be picking that one up uh, as soon as I can. So, yeah, that one, that one's um, on, on my list. Um, uh, Anne Casey Hardy um, is another short story writer uh, who's just announced she's, um, she's releasing a collection later this year, uh, which is called Cautionary Tales for Excitable Girls. Um, and it, Anne was, uh, I think, the the winner of the Peter Carey short story prize the, the year before I won it. So, um, and, and, and her winning story was just amazing. So um, on the strength of that one story, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to check out her collection. Um, I've just, um, just picked up uh, a book called The Keepers by Al Campbell, um, which uh, I've had many, many people recommend to me um, you know, it sounds like a pretty pretty intense book um, about um, you know caring caring for children, um, family, uh, but you know interweave with a bit of a maybe a um, spec fic or uh, imaginative kind of element. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just intrigued by it and um, and. Everybody who's read it said it's it's you know knocks your socks off. So um, yeah, I'm 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 going to pick that one up um, soon. Uh, and then the the only other one um, off the top of my head is uh, Waypoints by Adam. Um, is it Austin? Austin. Austin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I, I suppose full disclosure, he's uh, I think another author in the Martin Shaw uh, stable. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but. Um, you know the concept for that book uh, sounds um, incredible. So uh, you know it's about Houdini in Australia. Um, it's about uh, the missing Malaysian Airlines flight from from a couple of years ago. How is he going to weave that all together? Uh, I I can't wait to find out. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> it is very good. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero and come back with Andrew's top ten. Happy cows make the best tasting beef. We make our cows extra tasty by feeding them the highest quality pure Californian wheat. Check us out at highsteaks.com. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time for Andrew's Top 10. So, yeah, look, these are in no particular order and, and I want to um, basically piggyback on all the all the disclaimers of your previous guests saying uh, this was really hard and um, uh, if you ask me again tomorrow you'll get a completely different top 10 but um, but yeah uh, uh, Rubik by Elizabeth Tan uh, uh, is, is one that you know no no question would be in my in my top 10 um, it's a I guess a is it a novel in stories? Is it a short story collection that's linked? Um, 
I don't know how to describe it. It's a it's a book that is a puzzle. Um, it's a book that almost seems like it was designed just for me <laughs> because um, I love I love books that, um, that 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 make you work a little bit. Um, I love um, you know Japanese pop pop culture. There's a there's a bit of that in there. Um, uh, you know, I love I love linked short stories, um, and um, Elizabeth just weaves so much um, weirdness and humour and pathos um, into um, you know what 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 was her debut. Um, you know, she she's subsequently gone on and and got a lot of recognition. I think well deserved for her. Um, second collection smart ovens for lonely people um which is also you know amazing but um but i think my um uh, my heart uh you know um is, is definitely you know um yeah R rubik's got a you know really really special special place for me um so yeah that that's a that's a cracker and um yeah big big influence on my writing as well um in in that um you know, Elizabeth's, you know, I, I would call her an experimental short story writer um, and, you know, was re was reading her stories um, as I was learning the craft of short story writing. So, um, uh, yeah, um, she's she's taught me a lot as well. Um, then, um, you know, uh, veering, <laughs> veering a little bit, um, uh, the next book, um, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I thought it was was pretty hard done by to come up against Ulysses in the first round of the um, of the World Cup of Books. Uh, you know that uh, that's that's I don't, I don't know whether you need to in, institute a seeding system for for future tournaments or or something, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a tough draw. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, um, I I don't know how Vonnegut can write a paragraph or a page um, that can take you from um, a relaxed, uh, you know, jovial um, kind of tone, um, a familiar tone, like he's speaking to you in a lounge room or a bar, um, and then just deliver some um, emotional punch to the guts, uh, you know, three lines, Later on, um, he, he, he's he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, look, the next one on, on my list: the Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Shaben. Um, this is a detective story uh, set in, I guess, an, an alternate history version of uh, of the world where um, uh, the the Jewish people were granted um, some land in Alaska. Uh, after the Second World War, um, and so it's set in in Sitka, which is a city in this um, fictional Alaska. The main character is a detective. He's he's trying to solve a murder, uh, but the you know the uh, the way that um, that world is constructed is um, some some books you read or I read, um, and I I dream about them after I finish them. Um, I have dreams where I'm I'm in the world, uh, and this was one of those books because the, the world was so vivid and so real, um, 
that uh, I'd go to sleep and, and think I was in that in that world trying to solve that <laughs> that mystery. Uh, so so that book has 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 stayed with me. And 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 Michael Shaman's a very um, yeah a genius writer, very funny. Um, it's an e- it's a, you know quite an easy read, I think. Uh, but um, there's just so much to that book uh, that you can read it again and again. Um, then coming back to Australia and Australian short fiction, um, The Weight of the Human Heart by Ryan O'Neill. Um, you, you know, Ryan uh, definitely has, has been an influence on, on my writing. I really admire um, what he does. Uh, he's kind of the master of formal experimentation in, in Australian short fiction, I think. Uh, he, um, he writes short stories that are crosswords, he writes short stories that um, uh, are just, you know, um, are, are jokes that, that are mixed up. Um, and, you know, this is his debut um, collection. Uh, and, you know, it, it kind of reads like a debut collection, but there's, I think he, he taught me that, um, you can be playful, you can be experimental, you can be funny um, and still deliver a story that, that has heft and impact um, and that will stay with the reader. Um, you know, it's, it's not one thing or the other. Um, and, and the stories in this collection, I think, really run that. You know, you know they, they, they do all of that um, and it's, it's, a, it's a kick-ass collection, yeah. Um, Another Australian writer, um, short story collection, Here Until August by Josephine Rowe. Um, and, and Josephine, um, she, she, she's just, she writes beautiful sentences. She writes beautiful paragraphs. Um, uh, she inspires me to... Um, do a 50th revision after my 49th revision of a, of a short story um, to, to care about each word and to, to think about how the words sound in a sentence, um, you know, to, to think about the beauty of sentences. Um, uh, you know, I think some of her... Um, you know, I think she's she's studied and trained in the in the United States, and and you can see that influence in her stories. Um, you know, they they read a bit more like, um, you know, stories uh, by Iowa graduates or that you, you'd see in the New Yorker. They're they're really, um, you know, it's beautiful prose um, that you sometimes don't find, uh, you know, all the time in Australian short stories, um, uh, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just I just love her writing. Um, yeah, um, another Australian short story writer, um, Wayne Marshall and his collection Sherl, um, uh, and and Wayne um, has has sort of um, you know become a friend uh, you know over the over the, the past little while. Um, but uh, you know, I admired his writing and, and, and probably read Sherl before I you know knew him personally. Um, 
that well. And um, I think you could call it the, the, you know, the quintessential short story collection about Australia or, 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 or you know, that describes Australia or Australia, maybe Australian masculinity. Um, uh, and um, his stories, sometimes you read a short story and, and you enjoy it, but you know exactly where it's going to go. Um, and then it goes there and it might still be really satisfying. Um, with Wayne's stories, you, you read it and if you think it's going to go in one direction, it always goes in a completely different direction. Um, you know, it, 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 they're stories that are written by someone who is, you can tell is just writing for the pleasure of storytelling. Um, they're not writing to, um, you know, build a, build a collection that's going to sell. Um, you know, he, he, he just loves, a, he loves, he loves, a, he loves the story. Um, and, and that just comes through so clearly in the writing. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're funny, they're moving. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great collection. Um, getting back to some spec fic, uh, Ursula Le Guin, The Left Hand of Darkness, um, probably, you know, yeah, one of, one of my absolute favourite um, spec fic stories, uh, you know, came, came to it as a maybe a, you know, a bit of an older reader after reading Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein as a kid, um, you know, a lot of a lot of pulp uh, from the sort of so-called golden age of, of science fiction in the in the fifties and sixties and, and even earlier. Um, I think I think the Left Hand of Darkness um, it might have been written in the the seventies. Um, it's uh, it, you know it's a it's a very complex book. Um, it deals with you know feminist concepts concepts about gender, about religion, um, but um, the, the, the love between, or the love that builds between the two, um, the two main characters uh, is, is just really beautiful. Um, the, the setting is very memorable and, and vivid. Um, and, it, you know, another one of those books that you just um, can't stop thinking about after you, after you read it's, um, you know, uh, Le Guin has a, I guess a, a philosophy about storytelling uh, where she um, deliberately rejects the hero's journey structure of of, of storytelling, um, which makes her books fascinating um, and also, um, uh, you know, a bit harder to unpack. Um, and and that's a that's a that's a wonderful thing because it it, it does mean you you keep thinking and, and and turning them over in your in your mind. Um, so yeah, love love that one. Um, Never let me go by uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, uh, you know, read that probably relatively recently, and I, I should um, probably disclose to your listeners that. Um, you know, I uh, I don't read a lot of um, of the sort of the canon, the classics. Um, you know, I haven't read a lot of Russians. 
you know, in, in terms of world literature, well, at least as, as it's, um, you know, uh, as it's represented on the World Cup of Books, you know, uh, I was a bit embarrassed to, to, to see uh, how many there I've, I've still, got to, <laughs> still got to read. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I, you know, I was listening to your interview with Michael Winkler um, where he... Um, where he said, you know, I've, I've calculated um, the time I've got left or I might have left in the world um, and how many books that, you know, I could, I could probably get through before then. Um, and that, that really horrified me um, because uh, I panicked and I thought, oh, am I reading the right Am I reading the right books? Am I, you know, <laughs> I, I should get into the classics, you know, life is short. Um, but, uh, but I kind of like the idea that, um, that I'm going to come to all of those books that I know will be good, um, that they won't just be good, they'll be great. Um, you know, I'll come to them, you know, in, in time. Um, and maybe I, maybe I won't get around to reading all of them, um, but, but who can ever say they've read every worthy book. It's, it's, a, it's an impossible task. So for, for right now, I'm, I'm just reading, um, you know, what I, what I want to read um, and, and kind of maybe naively, but, you know, um, confident in the, in the knowledge that I'll, I'll, I'll come to, come to all of those big books and big authors. Um, but, um, you know, Ishiguro um, and, and this, this book, Never Let Me Go, um, uh, yeah, it, it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's on the lists for a, for a reason. It's, um, um, it, it's, it's beautiful and it's um, uh, heartbreaking. I, I don't know what more, what more to say about it. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of my favourite books and um, I've only read it once, but, I, but, you know, I think I'll, it's a book I'll, 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 I'll come back to. Speaking of Michael Winkler, um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance uh, makes it onto my top 10 list as well. I think it was on his top 10 list or at least he, he talked about it. So, yeah, I, and I, I think I found it on my dad's bookcase when I was, a, um, you know, my early teens. Uh, and, you know, that, that book for me, um, you know, was a, was a little introduction to aspects of Greek philosophy, aspects of Eastern philosophy, um, you know, what has stayed with me, I guess, over the years is, is this idea that, um, you know, every moment that we exist, we have a choice about uh, how, uh, how mindful and how conscious um, and how in the moment we we are and um and i've tried to you know I've, I've tried to reflect that um in, in how i live um so you know it's it's one of those one of those books that i, I think actually has changed the, the way that i try and live my life um but beyond that um it's this it's this beautiful weird story of a of a motorcycle journey journey and a, and a father and a son um and and the ending is yeah something that that you know haunted me at the time as a thirteen or fourteen year old, um, and, and has 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 stayed with me ever since. So I think it's a it's a remarkable. And then the the last one on my top ten 
um, books is is actually um, a computer game uh, called Disco Elysium. I'd sort of argue that it's it's sort of interactive literary fiction, um, or uh, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a novel fragments, and the and the player gets to choose the order in which they discover the fragments. Um, you know, if if your listeners are not computer gamers generally, um, I'd, I'd still highly recommend this game. It's it's you know as a game, it's 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 pretty easy to pick up and play and understand what you're meant to do. Um, but it, you know, think of it as an interactive audio book if if you want. But um, it's a it's a it's a whole weird world. It's a de- detective story, um, but the detective um, at the start of the story wakes up. Uh, not being able to remember uh, even the most basic facts of his reality. So he he doesn't know what city he's in, what country he's in. Um, he doesn't understand basic concepts like, you know, money as a medium of exchange. Um, he, he's quickly put to work trying to solve a murder, um, but... You know, he has no he has no context, which I think is a very clever way of um, world building and, and letting a player uh, learn along with the along with the character. Um, but it also lets the the, the, the player you know um, choose the destiny of this uh, of this character, um, and the, and the writing is just is just um, fantastic, and and I think you know um, stands up with with the best literary fiction um so uh yeah love that and and i think years ago there was that debate about you know uh, uh computer games art um i think that that debate's well and truly over now but but this is a game that is um is art uh, and is literature i'm fascinated i'm gonna have to go and seek that out yeah talk to talk to bram about it as well i think he's he's played it recently but um yeah it's 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 phenomenal yeah excellent all right. Well, that's a great list and we should probably wrap it up. But do you want to tell us where we can go and buy your great book, Teeth of a Slow Machine, and where we can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, you can you can buy my book um, direct from the publisher, Wakefield Press, on their website. Um, but it, it also seems to be that the launch date, um, as we're recording this, is in about a week. But it seems to be popping up on most of the a major sort of um, online book retailers in Australia. Hopefully some of them um, deliver overseas as well if, if your overseas listeners want to get a copy. Uh, and it's in, it's in bookstores uh, as, as well. Um, and, yeah, you, you, can, you can get in touch with me. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Roth Writes, all one word, um, also on Instagram at, at Roth Writes. Um, so, uh, yeah, get in, get in touch and, uh, yeah, happy to keep, uh, keep the conversation going. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such great fun chatting with you. Yeah, you too, Ben. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate it. Thanks once again to Andrew Roth. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Zero Pod, and you can email us at beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. We'll be back with your next episode next week. <laughs>